Welcome back to another episode of With Center. I'm your host, Luke Velasco, of course, joined by Tony Mulvey. We've got a lot going on here today that we need to discuss. For starters, you know, spot rates are continuing to decline. Flatbed tender rejection rates are continuing to show some softening. However, there are a few individual markets that are actually showing some bullish movement, which we'll take a look at. But speaking of bullish uh, moves, Tony, um, the uh, stock market's rebounding a little bit. Finding yeah. a little bit of a floor, maybe a little bit of love. Yeah, I mean... Not going to complain, right? I mean, if if you're in the market, that always be buying, right? Always be buying. ABB. Good time to buy was a few weeks ago. It seems yeah. like, especially still a good now. time to buy. We always. still offer highs quite oh, a yeah. bit. So now, always, always good time to buy. The question is, did you get in it on the latest meme stock? Tony, you know me. I, I, uh, you're a Wall Street bets guy. Come I, on now. You know, I, you know. It, so it's funny. You, you, you. I know where you're going with this. I was a part of Wall Street bets back in like 2018. Back in the back in the early days, um, and because because I'm a big deal. But uh, anyways, the the thing is, and then I left it, and you told me to go check out Wall Street Bets today, so I can see what's going on. And I had to join Wall Street Bets, and I get this long list of like all these rules that they have to follow now. And I was like, what? This is this is like breaking all of what Wall Street Bets stood for. They have all these rules now. Um, but anyways. Um, yes, there is the latest meme stock. No, I'd not get in on it. I've become, I guess, a, a boomer in my investing, and all I do is buy ETFs now. You know, the long, slow grind. Um, but uh, so I'm not, I'm not ten thousand xing my money in a couple no, weeks. I'm not either. So I yeah. don't feel bad. I didn't even know it was a thing until uh, you know, headlines of CNBC this morning shows a stock that goes up. 21,000% in two weeks. Let's say that again. 21,000% in two weeks. Yeah. No. Two weeks. Not involved. First off, 21,000% period. But in two weeks? Yeah. Something seems a little fishy. Yeah. I mean, you should get a 21,000% return in like over 50 years. If you're lucky. Yeah. Or if you're really, really good. But like in two weeks. You can't... You couldn't rob a casino... You couldn't cheat at a casino good enough to even do that. Yeah. You couldn't walk into a casino with loaded dice at the crab table with the crab dealer knowing that they're loaded and allowing it to happen and walk out with that return yeah. in a night of gambling. No, I don't think you could. No way. Like, there, there's no... It's unfathomable. To give you an idea, a $5,000 investment would net you $1.1 million in two weeks. How to turn $5,000 into $1.1 million in two weeks. What's the stock that we're even talking about right now? I don't, I don't even know what it does, but the ticker is AMTD. Or AMTD. HKD here HKD. Yeah. So HKD, it trades uh, originally on the, the Hong Kong exchange, correct? Yeah. Company out of Singapore. Company out of Singapore. And they, 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 as of, uh, uh, I guess, July, mid-July, you were able to trade it on the New York Stock Exchange, correct? Yep. yep, that's correct. And then just... And it took off. Yeah. Went so. from zero to $150 billion market cap. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Shows that financial markets Maybe. Are... Maybe whoever won the, the lottery, the billion-dollar Powerball, just bought all the shares. There's no telling. Honestly, no telling. Maybe so. so. I hope that's the case. I mean, I would have... I think I'd rather take the lottery winning. I think than, I'd uh, definitely try to uh, the play winning. with... Uh, yeah. Stocks like that, for sure. Be, be great. You could buy a lot of pizza. 
you could. Yeah. You don't need pizza. to order water anymore at a restaurant. All of a sudden, you can get a drink. <laughs> yeah. Those cokes feel a lot, <laughs> down, down a lot smoother when you're uh, having about $500 million uh, so, more so you got in the bank. $500 million dollars in your pocket, all of a sudden, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, you don't need that two for one special anymore. You just you're off the dollar menu. <laughs> but anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about today. We've got some. There is some actual freight bullish movement that we're going to talk about today, but also some some downward pressure in other sectors. So the the market's not reacting the same, right? I think as a general rule, the market has been flat the last few weeks. Yeah, general rule, market's been flat. But there are isolated situations where the market is continuing to fall and isolated situations where the market has seen some upward pressure. So we're going to take a look at that today. Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, we got to just throw a volume, right? All, lo- all, all roads are from demand. Um, we, we know that. Uh, by the way, you like the new colors today? Look at that orange. I know. Isn't that nice? That, I mean, is that's that, me. Is that the old Milligan colors? It is the old Milligan colors. You know, I'm, for those of you who didn't know, you can customize your sonar charts to make them look how you want to make them look. Um, I'm basically, you know, like a graphic designer, as you can tell right here, with these amazing colors. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, it's, we all have our talents. Um, but uh, this right here, so truckload volume, we've been seeing this. What, what I do think is interesting, though, is we have seen a slight decline last couple of days. Yeah. We're, we're starting to kind of see that next tick down in August uh, that we, which is interesting because last August, we actually started to go up a little bit. Yeah, it is interesting. But when you think about the freight market as a whole, if you look back at July, it was pretty flat. You yeah. saw an ever so slight tick up right there at the end. And mm-hmm. I'm talking like less than a percent increase right. in that final week. So, I mean, that just, when you're not seeing that rush of things moving off docks at the end of a month, like it just means that that beginning of the next month typically ends up pretty soft. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. I mean, what does this mean for the rest of August? Do we see some recovery in the back half? Maybe, but I mean, even then, it's like you still look at these levels and yeah. compare them to where they were in 2019, and they're obviously still elevated, right? I mean, and that's going to take some time. I mean, you, we've talked about the warehouse situation, inventory levels. You look off the coast, ships are still built up, but a lot of the times there's nowhere for that stuff to go, right? Right, And that's a lot of why you're seeing this decline is there's nowhere for things to go anymore, right? right? So you're seeing that slowdown. inventory. Yep, and, and that's going to be... What's going to be interesting is what happens through the fourth quarter. We actually saw uh, probably, probably not much. If you've been following a lot of the sonar stuff, probably not much of a surprise. So Maersk reported earnings the other day, and they 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 beat earnings estimates. They had very good earnings. Probably not much of a surprise there. Right? Still, the, those rates were coming down in Q 2s so They were still able to benefit from from the from the elevated levels before they dropped uh, to where they are now. But they they gave guidance, and they they basically said that we were expecting a slight decline in volume in the end of the year. And uh, the, one of their biggest sites for that was there's there's too much inventory out there. There's not enough places to move the freight. Uh, they cited a few other issues as well, like like some some geopolitical constraints, right? And you still have the war in Russia going on in, in Ukraine. But uh, a, as a whole, they, they did cite in lower lower volume guidance uh, just a little bit. Um, that, uh, that doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me when you think about what if you look off the coast here, right, yeah. for, the, for the what's coming, what's off the coast here has already been booked. Mm-hmm. They've already basically generated that revenue. Granted, they they yeah. just need to get, get the containers, right, yeah. off. But then you think about they've got to get all the way back across the ocean, get loaded again, and then back, right, within the next. So we'll, you're looking at what? Almost a month to get unloaded, 
at this point. You've got, what, 15 to 20 days plus to get back over across the ocean, if not more. And then you've got another month, basically, back. Yeah, so basically 90 days. You've got 90 days, and we're August, right? And you think about when the ocean season is strong, it's in September. Right. And early October, it's not in November and December. So, I mean, you look at 90 days from now, you're talking about early November, not... So you're, you're past that peak. So it's like what's already, some of this congestion is going to drive some of those lower volumes. And yeah. all being, like they said, inventory levels, people don't need as much stuff. You're starting to see it show up in some of these other indicators, right? Where new orders in contraction are right there at can, like the 50 level in the new, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's the PMI. So, I mean, it's yeah. just some of those, what you're seeing is just this broad trend of, we overordered, and now we're suffering the back half of that overordering. Right. Yeah, and and it and it's interesting too because while demand is, is significantly lower as a whole, that because of those those uh, because of those shifts in the supply chain, right? You have bottlenecks, but like it, Greg Miller, for example, one of the folks on the, the editorial team, he's been writing a lot about how ships waiting off coast in the United States are at an all time high, higher than they were when we had that real big demand surge. The difference is while. Before we had so many ships waiting off the coast because there wasn't enough demand to bring, you know, we could, we couldn't get them through the ports fast enough. Now it's they're waiting off ports because they're waiting for a place to just put the stuff. Yeah, that, exactly. Right? So it's it, same problem, but a different cause. Exactly, and that that's why you can't take. And I think this is a lot of the issue that people don't highlight is they're just talking about the congestion, right? As right. it's the same problem, and it's two completely different problems, right? We needed to get that stuff on the shelves. The docks couldn't clear it fast enough to yeah. get it, right? That's what drove up those prices. It's what drove up rates in the trucking market. It's what drove... Because it was kind of a name your price. You, I know you need it. Guess what? I'm going to squeeze you for every penny I can get. Now, on the flip side, it's, hey, we have all this stuff. I mean, you look at Walmart pre-announcing. We've got too much inventory. We're going to have to mm-hmm. mark down clothing and some of those hard goods that they, they brought in thinking that consumer demand was going to be there. And it's since shifted to more groceries and fuel, which, I mean, Walmart still benefits being the largest grocer and yeah. having fuel. But when you think about it to some of these other retailers, right, that don't have necessarily have that benefit, what incentive do they have to bring in more inventory right yeah. now? None. Very little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it hurts their balance sheets in the long run. So that's going to be, like you said, it's... It's the same problem, but different root causes. Yeah, different root causes. Very, very true. And, it, and it's affecting different segments differently. I think that the, the next chart that we'll go into here is the tender rejections of, of some of those different segments, and, and we'll really see how it plays out. So we'll, we'll throw that on the screen here. And, you know, again, folks, we, we've seen this chart before. Um, so some of you may be familiar with this. Again, look at those beautiful colors. I mean, we're, we're like, I, I'm, I, can I be the art director at Freight Waves? Is that a, is that a, is that a role? Is that a role? Um, but in all reality, the, the blue line, or excuse me, the orange line there, I'm so used to saying the blue line. It's not blue anymore. It's orange. Yeah. Look at that. Um, or orange, if you prefer. But the orange line is going down, and we're sitting right around 6% now on van, right? That orange line represents the van tenant rejection rates. Again, very flat. It's, it's maybe ticked just barely at its 52-week low there, but for the most part, it's been flat last few weeks. Uh, same thing with that, that uh, purple line there. That is going to be the reefer tenant rejection rates again. They had a much sharper decline um, or a more rapid decline than Van there in orange, but again, sitting there flat. 
But the real one that we're going to talk about is that flatbed, right? I mean, look yeah. at that. That peaked out in March there. That's that blue line. And that has, I mean, it's continuing to soften. A slight uptick last couple of days, but again, for the most part, it's it's continuing to soften. Still a little bit tighter than the other two, but seems to be closing that gap. Yeah, and I mean, it's not really expected when you start, well, when you start seeing data that's coming in, right? Construction spending, housing storage, things like that, they're all declining. We yeah. saw that really start, what, end of March? April. Early March, April, yeah. yeah. So we saw that softening in the flatbed market, so we knew it was coming. Yeah. It's just a matter of when it actually catches up, right? Yeah. And it's that's one of the things with this government data is it's lagging, right? It takes right. some time to get everything cleared and to report it, whereas this is real time. Yeah, it's a lot softer, but I mean, we're still talking 17%. So it's right. not like, I mean, carriers in this, in the flatbed space still have some pricing power, whereas... Yeah. I would, the, at 17% tenant reduction of flatbed, I would still give carriers the upper hand. Yeah. Just not as much of an upper hand as they have, but I would still give them the upper hand. Yeah, I mean, previously we thought that 7 to 10% was kind of where carriers had that upper hand in pricing. And obviously the pandemic kind of changed that a little. And now, I mean, we look at 6%, right? I mean, it's still on the van and reefer side. I mean, I don't remember any time that we've seen reefer rejections below 7%. I don't yeah. even know if during the depths of the pandemic, we saw them this low. Because, yeah. I mean, you still, the necessities that went via reefer right. during that time, I don't think they ever got this low. So, I mean, that's the one of this chart that concerns me probably the most and like where those carriers have lost that pricing power pretty significantly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when that when that one really kicks in to, to gear and how that impacts the uh, the, the reefer the reefer business. Um, let's go ahead and look up the the results of all this. So that's the supply and demand, right? We've seen volume now largely flat, slight decline further. Tender rejections again still continuing to decline. Now it's it's the pricing side of that again. Beautiful orange chart there by yours truly. The uh, so the orange chart there um, that is the the van. Uh, contract rate per mile in the United States there. Again, pretty much been flat since March. Hasn't changed. I think it's it reached its ceiling. We know that. The question is how quickly does it come down? And I think we're really going to start to see it come down in, in the fall as these um, as these uh, uh, shippers start to renegotiate. And this is line haul, by the way. We've pulled off fuel. The, the blue line there is line haul spot rates. Now that it seems like spot rates have found their bottom, at least in the short term, and I think a lot of shippers were waiting for that. Mm -hmm. They were waiting to figure out, are spot rates going to continue to incline further? Are they going to stop here? And now it seems like we have found a short-term bottom, so we should start to see those shippers start to renegotiate. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we talked a few weeks ago with uh, Emerge, right? And like, Rates are where they need to be to see that. It just takes some time. And I think that's what's going to be the interesting part is how much time does it actually take for this to happen? I think we're, like you said, I think we're getting close. I mean, you think, all right, if you look back, back half of June is about where we are now, right? So Mm -hmm. we've been here for 45 days. I think that's where you're going to start to see, all right, we can either move stuff to the spot market in chasing these more favorable rates from a shipper's perspective, and at the same time, start running through this RFP, implementing it, things like this, right. these shorter bid cycles. Now, what I do think is interesting here, not from a carrier shipper's perspective, but from a broker's perspective, this is where you're making your money. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we talk about it all the time. Brokers like the volatility, but they like when they can push their costs down to uh carriers, yeah. and they can sell, still show, sell their shippers or buy 
basically get volume from their shippers at these higher prices. And that's exactly what this chart shows. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this, this is a chart I wrote about in the Daily Watch. If you start looking through earnings reports from some of these brokerages, except Landstar, and yeah. we won't talk into that because that's a whole different business model as a whole uh, than just like a pure freight brokerage. But you look at like a CH, Robinson, right? Largest yeah. brokerage in the country. And you see how they reacted and they saw margin expansion, right? And a pretty hefty one. J.B. Hunt's brokerage segment saw pretty hefty margin expansion. And guess what? It's for this reason alone. Yeah. They, what, they get, what their customers paid them was elevated and they were able to push the rates to carriers down. And yeah. that's exactly what we see in this chart. If you're a broker right now and you're not making hand over fist, yeah, you know you're you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean you're it, doing something wrong. Now that that party may start to slow down soon, mm -hmm. but right now, right, it's a it's a good time. Now now you might have some volume that you lose. Yeah, but the margin should be exponentially grown. Yeah, so I mean it, that comes into the actual like business dynamics and what you yeah. how you if you want to continue to grow volume you may take a hit on margin but if if you're being judged solely on your margin right now is the time that you should be exceeding expectations yeah no it's very exciting so we, we've talked about you know potential downward pressure in a lot of ways but let, let's talk about some of those bullish moves we don't have any twenty one thousand percent gainers but we do have uh some areas of the country that are experiencing some growth um, and Detroit, Detroit's one of those. Before we before we look up to look at Detroit, though, right? You know, Tony, kind of give us a summary. We all know who's up in Detroit and some of the surrounding areas, right? Yeah. You know, those are the those are the big you know car manufacturers. A lot of auto parts are up there too, right? It's yeah. not not just you know the the car makers, but you know all of the resources that go into yeah uh, you know that. What is when, when you when when logistics and and carriers think about you know hauling freight for some you know for that region. Is it different from, say, you know, other regions? You know, what what kind of sparks the, you know, the type of freight that comes out of there, basically? A little. I mean, you have to think about that market too, because if you think cross cross border, right? Yeah. Really, what is the is it the Eisenhower Bridge or one mm -hmm. of the bridges right there connects into Canada? There's a lot of those auto manufacturing facilities in Canada as well. A lot of short haul too, because yeah. they're moving stuff around plants. Exactly. So, I mean, you're dealing with down into Indiana and Kentucky's and things yeah. like that. So, and it's a lot more of that just in time, right? Yeah. You've got to, if you don't get this load there, the factory shuts down, the plant shuts down. Like it's more of that than opposed to like, hey, if the apparel's a day late, it's not the end of the world, right? Yeah. So it, that's where some of those dynamics in Detroit are very interesting. But I mean, yeah, like you talked about, it's one of those markets that's been changing. There's been that positive momentum and we're seeing it in the volumes. Granted, rejection rates have come down in the past week, but they're still relatively strong, right? And guess what? I mean, those are that's what leads rates. So it kind of gives you an idea of what the rate, what rates out of Detroit are doing. Yeah, no, spot on. So let's let's go ahead and pull up Detroit here just so we can see a little bit, right? So this is the outbound tender volume index this is over the last five years. So pretty much since the beginning uh, of 2018 um, or around this time in 2018. Um, and look at that. I mean, there's actually some, there's actually some pretty consistent growth up there for the yeah. most part, um, uh, which may not, be, may not be a huge surprise. Now, this is overall tender volume. So, you know, again, a lot of this is going to be contracts. So it's probably not surprising that you see more volume in 2019 because a lot of that freight moved off the spot market there and went to contract tenders. But, I mean, look at that. We've, 
we saw a giant. We're 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 seeing you know still. I mean, a lot of spikes there in the uh, in the volume. Some of those big dips you see there, by the way, those are just holiday dips. So pretty very very normal. We see those every year. But I mean, overall, we're still pretty much at that 52-week high on the volume side. Yeah, I mean, and that's a positive. I mean, you look yeah. at this and you're like, it's Detroit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of, it's, when you think about Detroit, it's auto parts and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, it, that it does factor into here. And we talked about it for the past few years, the issues that auto manufacturers have had getting parts, getting supplies. And guess what? Some of that is starting to alleviate itself, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this whole supply chain's kind of unwinding itself after being tightened so much thanks to the pandemic this is one area that is going to be one market that will benefit from some of that unwinding and it and it's proving out right here in the chart yeah absolutely it'll be interesting to see where this chart goes and and see you know how we see some of those sectors in in different places the los angeles market is is probably a little bit uh i mean los angeles has everything but it is very heavy on the retail side Mm -hmm. as a lot of those finished retail goods come in from the ports and we saw that market soften first at the very yeah. beginning of the year. So, it, it, you know, it's fun to see how some of this stuff does play out in different markets that are maybe a little bit more biased towards one industry versus another. Yeah, and I mean, it, just being kind of biased to that industry does make it, by nature, a little more volatile, yeah. right? So it, you see these yeah, ebbs and flows, right? And that's so that is one thing to remember. Detroit, it's more of the consistent volume growth. I mean, look if you look at this chart, look at how high it's been for the last few months, right? right. Not just the week to week, it may change pretty dramatically, but over the course of yeah. that longer trend that shippers are looking for and carriers are looking for, it's been elevated, right? right. The brokers want that volatility, but a shipper wants pretty consistent. They want those longer term trends. And that yeah. that's where... Looking at it over five years, you can kind of see that growth that we've been seeing. And it wasn't just the pandemic because it looks very different than the overall volume chart right. if you put it up there. Now, Tony, we have to talk about something very important here. So if you could go back in time two weeks, right? What are you doing to get more money to dump into that mean stock that was up 21,000%? Uh, not, nothing. I mean, not. <laughs> I'm not touching that thing. with. I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. But you get to go back two weeks. You I know what's going to happen. There's no... At that level there's no liquidity that's the issue like you who, are the liquidity. who's buying yeah who's buying it after it's gone up that much that's a good question exactly it doesn't matter but you get to sell but maybe maybe if you're lucky so no it's I, good yeah that, that that one is interesting it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out yeah i mean it it's it was not, down what 50 percent today something like that it's not yeah. like gamestop where you you know what it is right, right. you can go see the store like i'm not gonna that's How much revenue? You looked up the company. How much revenue did they have? I think twenty-five million dollars. Twenty-five million dollars in revenue, and they were worth they're worth one hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, one hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, the market cap to revenue was like twelve point four thousand. So let's talk about that. In so comparison to twelve point four thousand ratio, meaning if I have a dot one dollar in revenue, my company's value is. 12,000 plus. Yeah. In comparison, it's not a bad ratio. Berkshire Hathaway was like 1.8. Yeah. And a lot of the banks are right around two. So, yeah. I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea of how yeah. overblown it kind of is. You'll, you'll love to see it. You do if you were one of the people in it at $7, not the people in it at 1600 Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm just buying the ETFs. I'm uh, I'm, I'm the you, low slow grind here, you right? And me just, both. just hoping to double my money in you know 300 years. So, you know, <laughs> well, 
place. It, it's fine. We'll, we'll get there. But anyways, I'm excited. We, we're not going to be here next week. But also, I got I to gotta let you guys know now. In just a few months, in November, is going to be F3. The future of Freight Festival is going to be the best freight show. I mean... It's more than a freight conference at this point. Yeah. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be a three day party. More importantly, Tony and I are doing with Sonar every day of the event, so it's gonna be a blast. You get to hang out with us. I think we need to have somebody win like fifteen minutes on the show with us. Yeah, who watches? That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. You know, somebody. I don't, it doesn't even matter if they're a customer. It doesn't matter. We should just have somebody on here. And what we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about meme stocks. Who knows? But anyways, mark your calendars in November. All right, F3, it's going to be here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's going to be a great time. I'm yeah. excited. Oh, I am too. I mean, heck, uh, Future Supply Chain was my first Freight Waves mm-hmm. event. It was awesome. Being at home, putting on that the show is going to be, I have a feeling it's going to be, I don't want to put a number on it, but it's definitely going to be better than Future Supply Chain, which was Exponentially. awesome. Yeah. Exponentially. Yeah, and there's already more people signed up to go to F3 than there was at Future Supply Chain. So it's going to be exciting. Anyways, folks, we will see you every Wednesday, 3.30 p.m. It's Luke, it's Tony. Have a good rest of your Wednesday.